Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Uh, happy Father's Day to all uh, you dads out there. And again, what a beautiful day uh, to celebrate baptism and to rejoice in all uh, that God has done for us through the love of our perfect heavenly Father who loved us so much that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever would believe in him would not perish but that we would have everlasting life. And when Jesus stretched his arms out on the cross, he cried out, it is finished and the debt was paid in full. So thankful for uh, God's uh, amazing grace and his goodness uh, to us. Uh, so grateful for just the, the way that God continues to just uh, assemble us together and, and put uh, together just a, a people uh, that are so willing to use their gifts for His glory. And uh, again, just uh, so grateful that you are here this morning. I uh, want to uh, just share that uh, we have a, a new uh, staff baby. And yeah, yeah, somebody's excited, a grandpa over there. Um, and uh, Tom and Amelia, uh, just a couple of days ago, uh, had little Davey in, and we'll, we'll send uh, some pictures uh, along the way in the weekly and let you uh, kind of keep up with that along the way, but be praying for them, and uh, we're just excited about the way God continues to grow our family uh, in all kinds of different ways, and so we're, uh, we're thankful for them, and uh, again, just blessed by you all. Uh, appreciated Britt and Chloe this morning. I, I know they are uh, celebrating an anniversary today, so that's pretty awesome. Uh, as well, and then thinking about Father's Day, and then Bruce and Cheryl also uh, seeing Abel baptized on y'all's anniversary, I think, too, and so it's neat how the Lord uh, works all those things uh, together, and uh, just encouraged by that. You know, in honor of Father's Day, I thought I'd maybe tell just a couple dad jokes uh, just just to start out. Some of you are really excited. Some are pretty disappointed. Um, Some of you, anybody hate dad jokes? Yeah? Well, I'll tell you something. Case and I used to hate facial hair, but it's kind of grown on me, so... (laughs) Uh, yeah, Steve, Steve, he used to play piano by ear, uh, but now he uses his hands. It's a good, I really like uh, that. Um, you know why they didn't play, uh, play cards uh, on the ark? Yeah, I was waiting. Well, Noah was standing on the deck. It really <laughs> messed everything uh, up. Yeah. Hey, did you hear about the guy? He fell into the upholstery machine at church. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. He's completely recovered. It's so good. Um, I know. I know. All right. Let's do at least one more. Right? Did you hear about the math teacher? Yeah, she was so afraid of negative numbers. She stopped at nothing to avoid them. Um, you know, and as we, as we jump in today and, and look at this passage of Scripture, if you're a guest with us, we're so, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, so, so appreciate you being part of our uh, time this morning. If you're worshiping with us online, again, we're, we're grateful to have you with us. And we're walking verse by verse through the book of Philippians. And uh, we've gotten to a place in Philippians chapter 2 where we're going to begin in verse 19 uh, today and, and just to be really transparent as as I was thinking about Philippians and 
walking and listening through uh, and walking through the scripture and kind of thinking about where we would be at different times. This was almost one of those passages that I think uh, a lot of pastors do everything uh, to avoid, right? Because when we read it, uh, sometimes you read a passage of scripture and you're like, wow, nobody's favorite verse probably came out of this. You know, like what is uh, it there for? All of a sudden there's this passage and we're reading it. And it's saying, you know, here are these travel plans that are coming up, but uh, I'm reminded that the word of God is powerful and it is sharper than any two-edged sword. And I'm so grateful uh, as I've leaned into this passage uh, that we're going to be looking at it on uh, Father's Day. And and I want to preach a message to you that hopefully uh, by the end of the service you'll understand. And the title of the message is Making Copies. 25 cents uh, at a time. And hopefully that'll all connect by the time we get done. I want to invite you uh, to stand with me. We're going to read verse 19 through 30. Just stand with me in honor of the reading of the Word of God uh, this morning. And uh, we'll just jump right in. Uh, But Paul writes this to the church at Philippi. And he says, But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests and not those of Christ Jesus. But you know his proven worth. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately. As soon as I see how things go with me and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again, you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him in the Lord with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Let's pray. Father, we pray. God, that in these next few moments, Lord, that you would open our hearts, God, to what you might uh, would reveal to us through your word. God, I pray that we could be encouraged, Lord, that we could be uh, reminded, Lord, of, uh, of your great sacrifice, of the all-sufficient merit, Lord, and, and the enabling work of the Holy Spirit that, that allows us, Lord, not to live in our own strength, but in yours, Lord. And we pray that we would die to ourselves, Lord, and that we would consider others more important than ourselves, Lord, and that we could live and be concerned with the interests of Christ as we leave this place. Lord, we pray if there's anyone here that has never trusted you, Lord, and believed the truth of your gospel for salvation, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord, and that you would make all things new. Lord, we love you, and we pray for our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, as we've walked through chapter 2, we've seen this call to humble unity. We've seen uh, this encouragement that Paul has given the church uh, at Philippi to consider others as more important than themselves, as uh, just this encouraging 
work that God was working in them, that they were to work out their own salvation, not to work for their own salvation, but that they were to work out what was in them uh, and that they would work out their salvation with fear and tremor. It would be an awe and a reverence as they uh, pursued Christ and as they uh, pursued uh, him in, in holiness and uh, seeing God do this sanctifying work in them. And here we get to this passage, and as we read it, I'm reminded it's not so much about these travel plans, this itinerary of what's coming up next, but these are living examples of what God uh, has revealed through Paul to this church. And he is, he is allowing them to see these examples of what he has been pointing them to. And, and as we open God's word, as we look at these today, I, I love the thought, and I've heard it said often, Pastor Chris loves to say, and he says, the more is caught than taught. How many of you recognize that, right? More is caught uh, than taught. We, every one of us, we're teaching something. We're modeling something. And more in our lives is caught than taught. You know, the first time I really was aware of this in maybe a greater way, and it was kind of a humbling way when, uh, when my little girl Hope was, was pretty small. And, and anytime I think about uh, imitating and kind of following, I always think about this story, and I've shared it with you before, but she was just a little thing, and she was getting ready for bed, and she had this little doll. And, and just like little girls do, they get the little doll, and she's playing with this little doll, and she's holding this little doll, and she's looking at this little doll, and she's rocking it. And, you know, I can remember when Sherry was, uh, would be with her and getting her ready for bed, and she would sing that song, I love you, Lord. That's why I don't sing, but, um, and she would sing that, and, and we would see just these beautiful moments, and Hope's taking care of this little doll, and she's getting her ready for bed. She's doing all those things, and she looks down at the little doll, and she says, it's time to go to bed now, and she rocks her a little bit, and she goes there, and evidently, this little doll, uh, like some of our children sometimes, was not going to bed in the time frame that she felt like she should and so she goes from this you know I knew it's time to go to bed and then all of a sudden she says go to bed now <laughs> yeah and in that moment I'm thinking where did she get that from right I mean I know I know y'all are holy in there and never did anything like that, right? But in, in those moments, I'm reminded, right, our kids are, are learning. And, and Paul writes of young Timothy, and he writes of, of his son in the faith. And in verse 19, he says, I hope to, to, in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit. Now, this thought of kindred spirit, it's this like-mindedness. It's this, this mind of Christ that we've been uh, encouraged to have. Paul is saying there's no one else of kindred spirit who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. Now, Timothy is available. He is going where Paul would send him. He is walking uh, with Paul and, and sharing the good news of the gospel. And it's this beautiful picture of discipleship where Paul ha has encouraged him. And what we see in this passage, not only has Paul encouraged Timothy, but Timothy is looking after Paul, right? And there's this example of Christ-like character that we would see there. He's concerned for them. The, the Bible says that he had this genuine concern for them. And he said, there's no others like that because they're only out for their own interest. They're, they're not in this kind of posture. He says, no one else will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He's compassionate for them. He's selfless. He says, others, they're seeking their own interests. But Timothy, if I send him, he is not looking out for even 
his own interest, and he said he's looking out for your interest. But then what he says in there is that their best interest is that of the interest of Christ, and, and that, that, they're, uh, that he is going to be uh, concerned for them in pursuing Christ and teaching them uh, in Christ. And so there's this beautiful picture of this replication that's taking place of Paul uh, describing young Timothy. Uh, Dennis Bishop, one day as I was leaving uh, the church, and he was at the back door, and we were talking about Philippians, and he said, Joy, Jesus, others, and yourself. And we see that in this passage, right? That Jesus is first, and then he's considering others more important than themselves. He's walking in that. And what we know about Timothy is he was exhibiting some incredible character. He was expressing character that would stand the test, even in hard times. Look at this next uh, verse. In verse 22, he says, But you know of his proven worth. And this is a word in Greek, dokime, and it's a word that it it gives this this, uh, perspective or this character of someone who remains faithful even in the midst of hardship, even in the midst of difficult times. And he says, you know of his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. And and I want to remind you that sometimes we think it's these moments where everything's going great that our kids may get the most out of. But can I remind you that it is in those difficult moments and it is in that proven worth when they see us walk through hard times, when they see us walk through those difficult moments. And in those moments when we, when we honor Christ and when we respond in this selfless love, it's a beautiful picture that we see. And Paul says that Timothy is his son serving him like a, a father. Paul would say in, in 1 Corinthians 11, and man, wouldn't it be nice if we could say this of ourselves, but Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he would say, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Now, this is the the heart of this passage. And and what we want to take home today is that, that God calls us to be imitators that become examples. So I want you to to soak that in. God calls every one of us, if you're a dad in the room, then God's calling every one of us to be imitators that become examples, imitators uh, of Christ and and of those uh, that we might see as uh, spiritual uh, leaders in our life, of those Pauls in our life that we become imitators that then become examples. And we're going to see this in this letter, right? This is the, the heart of where Paul is pointing. And, and, and Timothy's remained with Paul. Paul has in, invited him. He's heard great things about Timothy. And in Acts 16, he invites him to join him on his second missionary journey. And so he, he's been walking with Paul and he's been faithful uh, to the point that uh, he's just continued uh, to be proven, uh, to show his proven character. And he's going to walk uh, humbly. He's going to walk with Paul uh, until even after Paul's death that he fades from history. Timothy was an imitator that became an example. And that's the call that we all have, imitators that become examples. Now, you might think, well, is this kind of the standard way that Paul would, would call his followers? I'm reminded uh, when Paul wrote the, the letter to the church at Thessalonica, he would write in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 6, he would say, you also became imitators of us and the Lord, having received the word in much tribulation, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers. And we see, he says, listen, you have become imitators that are examples. 
And Paul would later write to Timothy and he would encourage him in the faith. And I love this passage in in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Paul would write to young Timothy and he would say, You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Now, knowing what we've talked about Paul already, we would think that at this moment, Paul's probably going to remind him of this incredible moment where he said, you remember when we were ministering in Philippi and Silas was with us? You remember uh, those kind of moments? How about when we were in Athens? How about when when you grew in the faith, when we were ministering at Ephesus? You would think those are the kind of stories that are going to come next. But but Paul writes to Timothy and he points back uh, to his childhood. Look at verse 15 of 2 Timothy 3. He says, and that from childhood. And, And this word in the original language points to from infancy. It's this thought of, of sometimes we're wondering, is it really making a difference when we are uh, reading the Word of God over our children? Is it really making a difference when it seems like they're all over the place and we're uh, doing devotions together? Is it really making a difference? And I, I want to remind you that here's what Paul said about Timothy. He said, from childhood, from infancy, you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. He said from childhood. And he says the places, what we would know is the places that, that, that Timothy would have been engaged with this. Uh, we would see early in this book that, that Paul would encourage and he would say, I saw this faith that is in you and I saw it first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And he would say, now I see it in you. And I want to encourage you moms and dads that sometimes the, the mundane things and the things that you might not think are making a difference, they are making more of a difference than we could ever imagine. The, the intentional things that we might do uh, to pass our faith down, the, the way that we, would, uh, that we would testify of the greatness of our God and that we would talk about his faithfulness uh, in our lives. You know, as I was glancing out, I saw one grandmother that has a nana camp in the summer. And I was just thinking, just stirred my heart, just thinking about Nana Camp, where, where she invites her grandchildren to come and teaches them about the Word of God and invests in their life, right? And from childhood, this faith was rooted in the Word of God, in the sacred writings. And, and Paul would encourage Timothy, and he would say, this is where uh, you continue to walk, and the things that you have learned, the things that you have walked in. And he would tell that church at Thessalonica, he would say, you're imitators of us and the Lord. And may we live our lives in a way that we could say that about the way we engage with our kids. Because here's the thing, our kids are watching. The people that you work with, they're watching. The people that are in our communities, that are in our lives, they're watching both good and bad. And, And I wonder, what does it look like to be a disciple? Sometimes we think about that question and we, we wonder, what does it look like to be a disciple? I want to give you a, just a, a real quick one-sentence definition that says this. Being a disciple is loving and following Jesus in a way that you can say to someone else, follow my example. The way that we live in order to truly make disciples, there's got to be an intentionality about the way that we live our life where that we might engage in a way that people would follow our example, that they would know our example, that we would do life together in that way. Because every one of us, we're making disciples. Every one of you parents that are in this room, you are making disciples. The question is, what kind of disciple are 
you make. What if everyone in your home spiritually turned out to be just like you? What if everyone in this church, what if everyone in in this church was just like you? What would our church be like? And Paul was making copies. He was an example, and he was being an example to others that they might replicate what he was doing and become examples to others. Not perfect. Did you notice when he talked about uh, Lois and, and, and Eunice, and he was talking about this sincere faith, right? They weren't perfect. I, I'm, I'm so grateful that God in his grace takes imperfect people. And even in some of the places where we, where we blow it, they can become some of the greatest testimonies in our family. Those places where we have to repent, those places where we have to be transparent and say, you know, I fall short of the glory of God. But he was making copies. You and I are examples that are to be duplicated, not perfect, but sincere. And Paul goes on in verse 23 and 24, and he says, I hope to send him immediately as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I'll be coming uh, soon. And then he begins to talk about Epaphroditus. And so he, he reminds them that I thought it necessary to send Epaphroditus. He's my brother. And, and by the way, Epaphroditus, he's not doing anything that is just really uh, one of the things that we would look at and go, man, this guy's killing it. He is uh, we think about the Apostle Paul, and we all look to him, and we think about this just maybe greatest Christian example that we would have. Epaphroditus, what we know about him is only from this brief paragraph that we're going to read, and then in chapter 4. So, so he says it's necessary to send him. And then verse 26, he was longing for you all and was distressed because you heard he was sick. Then Paul defines how sick he was. He was sick to the point of death. In verse 27, but God had mercy on him and also on Paul for sparing him so that he would not have sorrow. Then he says, I've sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him, you can rejoice and and I'll be less concerned about you. So Paul's worried about them. They're worried about Epaphroditus. He evidently is a a special person to them and they're they're loving and, and worried about him. He says, receive him with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. And so Epaphroditus, Paul says he's got that same proven worth. Uh, in chapter 4, we understand that Epaphroditus brought Paul uh, some financial help uh, from uh, the church, right, at Philippi. He takes that to where Paul is in house arrest, evidently on the journey. He, he got sick. But Epaphroditus was someone that, that maybe the WMU had collected some things. Maybe they had put some things together, and they wanted to get those to Paul, and they're looking for somebody. And they say, I need somebody that's going to be available uh, to go and see Paul. Uh, I want you to take uh, these things and to give them to him. And when you're there, minister to him. Go to the grocery store for him. Do whatever you can do to encourage him along the way. And, and, and then this is your role. And Epaphroditus says, hey, I'll be glad to do those things. Now, that doesn't sound like an incredible thing. You know, I think about the small things and the way God's works. In the midst of those things, I'm reminded that King David, that he was in the pasture before he was in the palace. And on the day uh, that he was sent uh, in to the place that he would slay Goliath, that he was sent with some lunchables uh, for his brothers, right? And he was sent uh, to deliver this menial thing. And we need to be people that understand that if we are faithful in the small things, that these are the kind of people that, that what we find in the scripture that Paul would write to the church at Philippi and say, you need to hold men like 
him in high regard, those that are walking in that. And he looks at him, and here's the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle Paul, and he would look at this man that had risked himself just doing this menial task, and he didn't know he was going to get sick along the way. He didn't know how sick he was going to get, but he was willing to be available for God. And Paul doesn't say, well, you know, he was doing some small things. He said, he is my fellow worker, and he is a fellow soldier in Christ. And Paul treats him with this kind of honor. He says, this is the kind of person. Hold men like him in high regard. One pastor said it this way. He said, to give my life for Christ appears glorious. To pour myself out for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do it. I'm ready, Lord, to go out in a blaze of glory. We think of giving our all to the Lord is like taking a $1,000 bill and laying it on the table and saying, Lord, here is my life. I'm giving it all. But the reality for most of us is that he sends us to the bank and has us cash in the $1,000 for quarters. And we go through our lives putting out 25 cents here and 50 cents there, listening to the neighbor's kids, right, and, and, and loving on them instead of just telling them to go away, right? And we, 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 we see uh, us in, encouraging a waitress. We see people in committee meetings. We see people giving a, a cup of old water to an old man in a nursing home with shaking hands. We see this place where usually our life in serving Christ is not in these glorious bursts of all those things, but it is in these, these, these consistent faith faithful obedience and love, 25 cents at a time every day, pouring our life out little by little over the long haul. And most of us, we realize that we may not be called on to give our lives in martyrdom for Christ, but all of us have been called to be available and sent on mission for the glory of Christ, little things. And, and can I remind you that little is much when God is in it. Little is much, small acts of obedience. God uses those in a great way. Finding people who are around us that we see in our lives, that we say these are people, people who have uh, this Christ-like character, and we want to invite those people in to our lives. We want to be people who would emulate Christ-like character, that would look and say, you know what, I need to find a Paul in my life. And every one of us, there are people that are further along the way than what we are. And we need those people in our lives. We desperately need those people in our life. We need to be people who, like the Apostle Paul here, would understand that we need to complement Christ-like character. We live in a world where everything else is complimented, beauty and physical things. We need to be people, and as parents, we need to look at our kids, and we need to complement Christ-like character. We need to be people who are watching for those things and are encouraging people along the way, not, uh, not deifying them or making them in some higher status than they should have, but recognizing those things and encouraging them. And we need to replicate Christ-like character. We need to have a Paul in our life that we are walking with, and we need to have a Timothy who we are pouring into. And the devil has us believing, and the enemy has us believing, right, that, that, that we could never be a Paul. There are people in this room that would say, you know what, God could never use me in that way. And there are people in this room that he would convince that we don't need those kind of things, that we are self-sufficient in our own. But the reality is that we need those relationships. We are desperate for those relationships in our lives. And as fathers, as parents, it is our call to have homes that are centered on the gospel. We have, we have this role, right, and, and especially as dads, in pointing our families toward Christ away from these worldly influences and, and giving them this perspective, this, this Christ-centered perspective on our world. 
And we are called to invest our lives 25 cents at a time, right? Day by day, little by little, investing our time, investing our quarters for the glory of God. And it's in the ordinary moments of our life. It's in the ordinary ways that we live our life that will be a light that shines into the midst of darkness. The scripture would tell us to let our light so shine before men that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. And the thing is, you know, I went this morning and I was looking around and on my dresser and I had a little place that I kept quarters and I, I pulled out all the quarters that I could get real quick and, and I was just looking at them and I was thinking, you know, Paul's, you know, making these disciples and he's investing. And I was thinking about growing up that, you know, before we had printers everywhere, you know, you'd have to pay to make copies. And I was thinking, you know, just making these copies, just 25 cents at a time. Our, our heart is that we might live our lives. And, and, and if these quarters represent time and they represent treasures and they represent the things that God has entrusted to us, we invest those things in, in whatever way. But here's the thing. I, as, as I look at these, the reality is for every one of us in this room, we have no idea how many quarters we have left. The scripture would tell us that our life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Psalm 90, we would read, Lord, teach us to number our days, that we would uh, be given a heart of wisdom. Ephesians would tell us to make the most of our time, that we would redeem our time because the days are evil. And the reality is none of us know just how many quarters we have left, how many days that we'll be able to invest, what we'll be able to do. You know, I was thinking this weekend and, uh, you know, my daughter is, is uh, going into her senior year and my son going to be in the eighth grade. And I'm like, man, how does the time go so quick? And there's this reality in my life that said, you know what? I'll probably spend more time with my daughter over the next year than I might spend with her for the next 30. How will I invest the time that I have? How will I use the gifts that God has given me? And if I'm honest, when I think about those things, there's a part of me that just realizes that there's a lot of quarters. There's a lot of quarters I've already wasted. There's a lot of quarters I can't get back. Things that I've invested in that haven't made much difference. We can spend hours and hours scrolling, wasting our time going through those things. You know, the next chapter, which is, man, it's good. Paul says, I consider all things rubbish. He said he's accomplished all these things. And I think it's the same kind of moment where Paul's reflecting on his life and he's recognizing that there's been a lot of time that's been wasted. But he says, I consider all things as rubbish for the sake of knowing him, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. You know, we can't go back and get any of those things back. We all know that. I love this poem that says, no one can go back and make a brand new start, my friend, but all of us can start today and make a brand new end. And when we think about the Apostle Paul, before he was discipling young pastors, he was killing young deacons. That's what he was doing, right? And, and when we think about that, God used Paul in an incredible way. And we have a God who redeems the time. We have a God who stands outside of time. A God who restores and can do more in a minute than we could do in a lifetime. 
And we need to be a people that will say, God, I just want to walk in obedience to you. And Lord, I don't know how many quarters I got left. I don't know how many days I got left, but I want to make copies one quarter at a time. God, whatever I can do, I, I want to use my life to pour into my kids and to pour into my community and to pour into my family. Lord, only you know how much time I have left, but God, make the most of my time. Lord, help me every day. And, and this is what Paul did. We wonder, how in the world can we do this? And you're saying, I don't know. I, I don't know if I can make disciples. I don't know if I can go and do all these things and invest and not mess up and do all these things. And the apostle Paul, uh, he would say, he would be the kind of guy that would write Romans 7 and say, the things I want to do, those are the things I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, those are the things that I would do. But when Paul would get it, he would say in Galatians 2.20, he would say, I am crucified with Christ. He would say, listen, it is no longer I who live. And it is this call that we have every day as moms and dads and people, all of us, right, to die to ourselves. Paul would say, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, given and equipped with the power of the Spirit of God to live in us, if we will surrender to God and we will, we will give our lives to the cause of Christ and we will, we will put others before us, that our lives would be centered on Christ Jesus others and then ourself he will use our days and he'll make the most of our days he'll make them count and we need to be people that will be mindful of that and our prayer this morning is that we would would recognize that that our prayer would be lord teach us to number our days and that every one of us that we would leave this place and we would invest some quarters today that we would invest whatever we have in our families in our community and we'd be reminded that little is much when god is in it. I want to pray for us, and we're going to worship uh, our great God. And this is a time in our service where we respond uh, to the grace of God. We respond uh, to the Word of God. And there are some of us that uh, we just are desperate for God's help. We might need to to come and just kneel before Him and surrender, uh, in in asking Him to help us uh, to deny ourselves, to, to lay uh, down these things that that uh, to lay aside those things that so easily beset us. Uh, one pastor likes to say when he think about all these things in our lives is do these things really help us run? You know, Pastor Chris earlier, he said, what is it that we're holding on to? Maybe some of us need to just lay down some of those things uh, in our lives that we might run the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that is set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, right? And we today, we, we may need to surrender in that way. God, help us, Lord, to order our lives in this right way. Lord, help us to, to make the most of our days. And maybe there's someone here that's never trusted Jesus for salvation. And maybe today you... You look to the cross and you know that Jesus died in your place. That while we were sinners, the scripture would tell us that Christ died for us. That there was nothing that we could do to earn a right standing with God. That because of our sin, we have been separated from God. The Bible would tell us that we are dead in our trespasses and sin. But God, who is rich in mercy... A lot of his great love for us. He's caused us to be uh, made alive, right? He's, he's caused us to be born again, as, as Peter would write, into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And he says that if we would look uh, to the cross and we would look to ourselves, we would recognize that, uh, that we are sinners separated from God with no hope apart from the work of Christ. But we look to the cross and we recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, that it counted uh, for us, that he died in our place. And that if we would believe and trust in him, the scripture says that if we can 
confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord, is He is in charge, not us, and believe in our heart, believe with all of our lives that, that God has raised Him from the dead, that we could be saved. And so if you've never trusted Jesus, I want to remind you this morning that if you will believe and trust in Him, that you can be saved, and that He will make all things new. Lord, do what only you can do in our midst. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we ask you to work in our midst. Lord, if there's someone here that has been saved, but maybe they've never taken a a step of obedience in baptism. Lord, there's a tank of water over here. Lord, what keeps them from being baptized? Lord, you would tell through Philip to the Ethiopian eunuch, when he asked that same question, what keeps me from being baptized? He said, if you believe with all your heart, you can. And they entered into the water and he was baptized. And Lord, maybe there's a, maybe there's a dad that needs to walk in obedience. And being that example to his family this morning, to surrender his life to Christ and be baptized in obedience. Lord, we, we just trust you. We want to walk in obedience, Lord, from this moment forward. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand in worship this morning?